Welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Seattle, Washington, carried live on 850 KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and carried nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. Two hours of interviews and features, plus questions and comments about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery as we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. And now, Recovery Coast to Coast is on the air. Here's your host, Neil Scott. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Recovery Coast to Coast, America's nightly voice for recovery on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. Tonight, our focus is down here in North Carolina, in Asheville, North Carolina, to be specific, at the Conference of the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina, a wonderful group. Their website is APNC.org. They put on a couple of conferences every year. They've been doing it now for almost 60 years. And tonight, we're going to be able to meet some of the people involved with APNC and with the conference and some of the people who are making a difference here in North Carolina. We're going to start off by meeting Donald McDonald. He is the executive director of this wonderful organization, APNC. He's fairly new to the job, but man, this guy has got a ton of energy. He certainly is not new to recovery and he's not new to advocacy. You're going to find out more about that in just a couple of minutes. Then Ginger Malcolm will join us. What a great person she is. She's a recovery advocate who has so much energy. She works with the Job Corps. She's going to bring you some insight into the world of recovery. And then Jason Cornelius, he's the coordinator of DWIPayList.com, one of the sponsors here at the conference. Really a cool guy. Then Melanie Knight will join us. She's the outreach coordinator of Crestview Recovery Center here in Asheville. They are a premier sponsor of the APNC conference. She'll talk about Crestview which is here in Asheville, North Carolina. Also on the program, Travis Herman, National Clinical Liaison for Silver Ridge Recovery. Kathy Allen, who is the conference chair of the APNC Spring Conference. She's a great gal. She's got a lot going on, and she's responsible and her team for putting this successful conference together. Probably about 250 people here. Then Killian No, You probably know Killian No. She's the founder of the Recovery Cafe, which started in Seattle, Washington. She did a plenary session, and we've got some excerpts from that coming up as well. So it is indeed a full show from down here in Asheville, North Carolina. The Addiction Professionals of North Carolina, great conference, great people, and I think you're going to learn a lot as well. We're going to do that when we come back, and again, we'll start things off with Donald McDonald, Executive Director of the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina. Stay with us. We wasted a lot of years hoping, praying for things to get better. I was desperate to save our family. That's when I made the contact. She contacted Sundown M Ranch. Sundown's nationally recognized alcohol and drug treatment program teaches family members how to break down the barriers of denial. They are taught the skills needed to deal with addiction as a family. Now we're making up for lost time. It was the best contact I ever made. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, 
talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. We are on the road broadcasting from the annual conference of the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina. I walked into this place and there was, there was a buzz that was kind of undefinable, but there was something there. And the energy, it's absolutely amazing. Donald McDonald is the executive director of the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina. He's nice enough to join us for a few moments to talk about the conference, to talk about the organization, to talk about his role, to talk about the future. We have a lot to talk about, Donald. Oh, boy. Yeah, my goodness. You're kind of the new sheriff in town, right? That is correct. I am the executive director. I got the job at the beginning of October. Mm. And prior to that, I was a director of advocacy and education with a grassroots nonprofit or recovery community organization. We were organizing and mobilizing communities of recovery and family members. Here in North Carolina? Here in North Carolina. That's right. We were, um, you know, trying to impact policy, trying to empower people to speak openly about their recovery, reduce the stigma of addiction, raise the profile of recovery. And uh, we made some appreciable progress in promoting recovery support services around the state. But then I got the opportunity to get the big chair at another nonprofit, and I could not resist it, and that's Addiction Professionals in North Carolina. It's a great, great organization, and of course, it's it's an affiliate of NADAC, which is tremendous. I've mm. known Cynthia, gosh, for probably 30, 40 years. She's, oh, Cynthia She's just Moreno amazing. Yeah. I mean, she's uh, she's the Energizer Bunny. She just, boom, she, you, know, you can't hit a moving target, and she's moving all the time. She is. Yeah, she's great. Talk about the history of this organization prior to October. When did it begin? Tell me about how it evolved. Addiction Professionals in North Carolina is nearing its 60th year as an organization. Wow. Exactly. We became a NADAC affiliate back in the 80s. So that's what we are. We're a NADAC affiliate. We're the Association for Licensed Clinical Addiction Specialists, Certified Addiction Counselors, Peer Support Specialists, Prevention Consultants, and anyone who is working with people impacted by substance use disorder. Since I got the job in October, though, there's been a bit of a transition because I told you I came from that grassroots advocacy movement. And they knew that when they hired me, so I brought that with me. So that's a huge asset. Yeah, I, I thought so. In, yeah. In, in this time where we're trying to wake folk that what we're dealing with is a civil rights movement now yeah, it around is. access to treatment and recovery support services and enhancing prevention in communities, definitely a civil rights movement. So we, we're staying true to the core values of this 60-year-old organization of workforce development, providing uh, evidence-based practice education, advocating for uh, the specialized needs of addiction professionals You know, on a legislative level, a policy level. So we're still doing that, but we've brought in a new element of um, aggressive education and deliberate advocacy and education, um, assertive Mm. advocacy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's important to you know, not only carry the message, but send the message That's right. loud and clear. We're, we're sending it loud and clear, and we, we have lots of allies who are amplifying our voice as well. Mm-hmm. I've been in this field for, for a number of decades, and when I first started, uh, I started using a, a slogan that I've, I continue to use, which is, the bright side of addiction is recovery. Right on. And people don't look at it that way. They think of addiction as a, a, a negative and all of the things that we know about that. Yes. And in reality, once that person finds a way into recovery, mm. it's, it's a magical new world. It is a magical new world. Um, there was a time where we, we didn't know if people could get well yeah. from substance use disorder. Then we discovered that they could. And now we know that they get better than well. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And I'm living proof of that. I'm a person in long-term recovery from substance use disorder. I'm, I'm, I'm approaching 14 years. Oh, you're a newcomer. <laughs> <laughs> you're an elder statesman. Yeah. That's what's up. Donald McDonald joining us tonight. He's the executive director of the, uh, of the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina. You're relatively new, less than a year. What do you see the challenges going forward? You know the problem. You know the crisis we're facing. The challenges going forward first, but I, I wanted to quickly finish a thought about the thriving in recovery piece. Oh, the enhanced okay, recovery. sure. Just real quick, we've been talking about that thriving in recovery, but recently the American Society of Addiction Medicine came yeah. out with their new strategic vision that mentions recovery, prevention, treatment, remission, and recovery. Yeah. So, so, so the spectrum of addiction services staying with people until they have the opportunity to fully actualize. So we get better than well. Right. Because it's a process. It's not a destination. Yes. You know, recovery is a process. <laughs> and the SAMHSA definition, a process of healing. Yes, yes. Not an event. Right. And that, that has been the big challenge. Historically in this country, we've been treating substance use disorder as an acute moral failing. Briefer and briefer treatment events followed by zero recovery support services yeah. and incarceration. So the unintended positive consequence of the opioid epidemic is much greater attention on substance use disorder, some positive policy, some additional funding, and we've also concurrently been engaging in some assertive stigma reduction strategies. So, Such as? Such as, well, I travel around the state and I, I teach organizations and communities and families about the pathology of substance use disorder, mm. you know, that it is a, a chronic brain disorder. The debate is over. Yes. On that one, we know what causes it. We know how to treat it. We know that people get well and stay well. I give them some information about the history of the under-treatment of substance use disorder mm. in this country, that we have been giving folks half doses of what we know will help them, and when they don't get well, we blame them. And then I've been helping folks change their language around substance oh, use disorder. Oh, I love that. I love right, that. Right on. Language Matters Monday. Language Matters Monday. And Tuesday and Wednesday <laughs> and Thursday and every day that it ends with the letter Y. Tell me about Language Matters Monday. Part of the national recovery movement in the North Carolina recovery movement was from faces and voices of sure. recovery, recovery community messaging training. Mm -hmm. um, our stories have power, and we also talked about how the general population responds to certain language. And then our new White House uh, director of the Office of National Drug Control Policy had a priority in, in D.C. saying we must use accurate and non-stigmatizing language to describe people impacted by substance use disorder. So I figured as the, the, the association that represents addiction professionals in North Carolina, we needed to let folks know how important language is. So uh, Language Matters Mondays was a series of uh, social media graphics we created um, showing pictures of people in the recovery community, providers, family members, people in recovery from substance use disorder. And our first focus was really super low-hanging fruit. We were talking about don't say substance abuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't say that anymore, yeah, man. Yeah. It makes you sound so 2012. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's inaccurate. It's, it's technically inaccurate. It's rooted in the, yeah. uh, the temperance movement. It's a 
moral issue. It sure. propagates the self-inflicted myth of substance use disorder. So we give folks language they can use, substance use, substance misuse, if there's a diagnosis, substance use disorder. No longer saying, you know, former addict, former alcoholic, people in recovery. No longer saying addict and alcoholic. In, in spite of our roots in peer recovery mutual aid, the general population, when, when they hear alcoholic and addict, they're thinking an unwell right. thing. Not yes. even a person. We're people. So we, we must use person first language. But then we, we continued on and talked about, you know, providers, you know, don't say dirty urine, mm-hmm. you know, it's a positive urine drug screen. And don't say things like relapse prevention mm-hmm. either. Right, right, so, right. So, you know, the end of your program is going to focus on how not to put one in you. You know, I've been focusing <laughs> on that my whole life, bro. <laughs> Teach me how to cope with stress. Teach me how to avoid, uh, um, you know, triggers. Teach me what's actually going on inside my brain. Connect me with a community of recovery. Make sure that I have access to transportation and a job and opportunity recovery management, how to sustain remission from a chronic illness and eventually thrive. You have a new staff member you introduced today, a recovery support specialist. So your organization is growing. Tell me about his role. Okay. Well, so um, we are the Association for Addiction Professionals, which puts us in a position of uh, doing conferences and regional trainings and uh, policy advocacy but we also are branching out into recovery support services. Mm-hmm. And for a couple of years now, we've had a collegiate recovery program coordinator to help create new collegiate recovery programs and, and help get funding and technical assistance to those folks. And that's expanded from, from zero schools to um, eight funded schools. And we're, we're branching out into community colleges and HBCUs. And we're even getting down into high schools with our mm-hmm. friends mm-hmm. at the Emerald School of Excellence in Charlotte. That, that's going to open next year. That's going to open next wonder, year. It's, it's the first recovery school <laughs> in, in the state. In the Carolinas. Yes. Yes. So there's that. And we did a great job with that. And the Division of Mental Health, Developmental Disabilities, and Substance Abuse Services has such faith in, in the that we're doing. They, they provided us an opportunity to help organize and network recovery support services in the western part of North Carolina. So we got to hire a gentleman named Richie Tannerhill. He's a certified peer support specialist. He is extremely well connected with with all of the uh, assets in Western North Carolina, local law enforcement, faith groups, treatment providers, communities of recovery. And so what we propose to do uh, with the support of the division is, is to help map assets out there, connect folks. Um, enhance law enforcement assisted diversion type programs, enhance post naloxone reversal programs, Mm. connect people with recovery coaches as much as possible, and also participate in, in, in the workforce development of of those individuals doing more peer support education and continuing education and supervision and ethical considerations, et cetera, a really thriving, surging workforce in North Carolina. Our leadership from the top are seeing the, um, the crucial role that peer support play in, in, in wellness. And um, so they've invested in us to uh, help treat the soil in North Carolina Mm. to enhance recovery support services from the mountains to the coast. I'm so excited about the future of APNC. Donald McDonald joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. Uh, Nice to have him here. Nice to be a part of this conference. And, you know, this is the worst of times. This is the best of times. The worst of times being the crisis uh, that we're facing in this country. The best of times is the good work that you folks are doing in North Carolina and other states around the country responding to the crisis with 
action. With action. And the responsibility we have now, this is the worst of times. This is a most dark yeah. season that oh. we are experiencing. But as a result, we are garnering a lot of attention and positive policy and resources. And it becomes our responsibility as men and women in recovery and as addiction professionals that we make sure that the interventions brought in now in the opioid epidemic are sustainable as we continue to work with the, the continuing mortality and health issues with alcohol and, and tobacco, which also makes sure there are equitable resources for all people experiencing substance use disorder. So that, that's quite a, quite a charge that we've taken on as well to, to ensure that, that this stuff will be around when the epidemic's over and we're still dealing with what you and I yeah. have been experiencing for decades, people with alcohol and stimulant and marijuana problems. And so they still need help too. Donald McDonald joining us. Uh, he's the executive director. I want to ask you, uh, you, you mentioned in your opening remarks this morning, you just came from a big board retreat. Oh. Let, me, let me ask you kind of a board-related question. Oh boy. What is your vision for the next five years for this organization? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I'll tell you what. So I get hired in October. So this is my first board retreat with yeah, these yeah. folks. And this is my first time as an executive director. So, you know, I was a wow. little stressed out. We got together in this meeting, and what I proposed to do was to gain consensus on why we exist, why we exist. The staff in, in Raleigh have been driving under a, a certain reason to get out of bed in the morning and show up to work. Our messaging in the community has been around a certain message, and I really shared this with the board of directors, and we had 100% buy-in, and it became part of my morning presentation. We say, when we empower our prevention, treatment, and recovery professionals, more lives are saved, more people find wellness, and more communities prosper. Mm -hmm. So our five-year plan is to treat the soil in North Carolina to the point where we prevent substance use disorder. We easily prevent a return of use. You know, we keep folks in remission. We enhance wellness so much that people thrive in recovery. And I see, you know, this is this is a bold vision, but gosh, within five years, almost being out of a job. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be something? Oh, man. Man. Wow. Well, again, everyone is responding, and everybody has a role to play in this. Well, you know, whether it's the treatment professional, whether it's the person who's 30 days sober in the recovery <clears throat> process, to be able to share their story, to tell people, you know, these buttons that I brought down oh, for my presentation. I was just looking at those. Ask me about recovery. Well, you put that button on and you go out, people are going to ask the question. They certainly are. I've had them ask me. I had a t-shirt that said that. Yes. And it's a great learning opportunity, a teaching opportunity. We are all in this together. We will all thrive in this together. And the state of North Carolina is very fortunate to have you at the helm of this organization. <laughs> Thank you. Talk a little bit about the conference. Uh, I said there was a buzz when I came in here. There still is a buzz. There's a lot of activity and there's a lot of it's just almost undefinable, but you can feel it, you can, Donald. Yes, I know. This is exciting. It's a little overwhelming. The team, uh, our Collegiate Recovery Program Coordinator, Chris Campo, mm -hmm. our Program Coordinator, Emmy Oakley, and our Board of Directors, we've been we've been getting out with the, the messaging and of... Kathy in Virginia. And Kathy, yeah. yeah join the movement is yes. what we've been saying. Yes. Jo join the movement. Well, what is the movement? Well, it's a movement of empowerment. Mm -hmm. It's a movement of empowerment. To do what? Well, to save lives and enhance 
enhance wellness. So we've been generating this buzz and what we deliver our conferences, regional trainings, policy advocacy, etc. Those are our tools and I made a promise when I got this job that we're not going to phone in those tools. Those the education is going to be deliberate, the advocacy is going to be vigilant and I guess folks trusted me that I was going to do that and the team delivered. We have such an uh, an amazing conference. The, the, the breakout sessions are about issues that are trending in the field. We have folks from the state coming in for a lunch tomorrow and, mm. and they are just um, no holds barred talking about what most folks are concerned about the future in North Carolina. We're in a lot of policy shifting going on about who's paying for what and so we're putting it out there. We also created the new peer recovery track. We recognize the surge. That's the first population. time, right? This is the first yes, time. Yes, yes. And and we reached out to our national organization. We reached out to Cynthia Moreno Tui, and yeah. we said, "Look, you know, we know peer support specialists can join now under the associate membership, but." How do you feel about creating a unique membership category for them? A, it captures more accurate data, but B, it, it then makes us responsible to actually meet their unique mm. needs and advocate for their unique yeah, needs yeah. as well. So they said yes. Oh, I bet she loved rocks. it. Yeah. Oh, they got excited. <laughs> they, they proposed it to the executive committee that week, and they said yes. And then by the next month, by March to Madness membership drive, we, we had that up there and we've got our peer uh, recovery track now and tonight we're also we're also big on recovery support services in the community and we have a local recovery community organization named Sunrise Community for Recovery and Wellness their recovery community center nice and and we we, we believe that folks need to have fun in recovery yeah. so we're having a uh, recovery supportive uh, recreation and socialization night called finding your tribe and we're getting credit for it because you know this is evidence-based practice. Right. This is That's brain right. science behind this baby. You bet. But what we've also done is we've opened it up to Asheville's thriving recovery community. We said, "Come on in, y'all. You know, many pathways of recovery. Come on in. We'll we'll eat some good food. We'll have some live music. We're gonna play board games. You know, we're gonna we're gonna." We're going to find our tribe. We're going to have fun. There's a rumor that Cards Against Humanity <laughs> may be floating around somewhere. I, I don't know about that. I don't maybe. know. I don't know. Just a rumor. There's, just just that's a rumor. A rumor. <laughs> that's, a, that's kind of a scary game. Yeah. Donald McDonald, nice enough to join us to talk a little bit about the organization, about the conference, about the vision for the future. The addiction professionals of North Carolina, they've been around for 60 years, but boy, they're taking off like a rocket right now <laughs> under the leadership of Donald McDonald. Right man at the right time for the right reasons and uh, Bless you. and and I thank you and I thank you for inviting us to be a part of this. Oh, I want to have you back. The bright side of addiction is recovery and you embody that to the max, my friend. Thank you, brother. We're right going to take a short you. time out. We'll be right back. I'm Neil Scott. Stay with us on Recovery Coast to Coast. These days we talk about everything. I've been sober now 1 year, 3 days and counting. My sister was restructured at work after 10 years. Welcome to the new normal and the cards for the new normal new journeys cards from hallmark my girlfriend sent me a card that said i'm really something to celebrate encouragement cards for all the stuff we face today i actually found a card that says sorry you lost your job journeys new cards with real words for real life only at today's hallmark gold crown stores she has always been your baby but when your daughter got into drugs and alcohol she turned into a stranger what do you do where do you turn contact sundown m ranch 
Sundown's nationally recognized youth treatment program guides young people back to a life free of drugs and alcohol. All treatment is gender-specific and directed by caring, certified professionals in a safe environment. You can get your daughter back and get to know her again. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. Your daughter's wasted. Again. You ignore it. You get help. Before long, she's been arrested. Before long, she's been promoted. You post bail. You congratulate her. And then her addiction really takes and off. And then her career really takes off. She stops in from time to time for she money. She stops in from time to time for coffee. But then it's right back to the street. But then it's right back to the office. Years later, the police stop by. Years later, your daughter and son-in-law stop by. They've got bad news. They've got good news. She's gone. She's expecting. You cry. Choose to help a loved one struggling with drugs or alcohol. It could change everything. For more information or help, call 800-662-9111. Here is something to think about. Problem gambling is exactly that, a problem. Looking for a solution? Well, there is a way out. And there is help for you or someone you love who's caught in the web of problem gambling. Help is as close as your phone. Call the Washington State Problem Gambling Helpline, one 800 522 4700. For confidential help and free information, call a real winning number, 1-800-522-4700. They have the solution for problem gambling. A friend of mine, she cries at night and she calls me on the phone. She's babies everywhere she goes and she wants one of her own. She's waited long enough, she says, and still can't decide. Pretty soon she'll have to choose. Welcome back to Recovery Coast to Coast. I'm Neil Scott. Great to have you with us. We're taking you on the road broadcasting from the annual conference of the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina, a great organization. Check them out online, apnc.org. Gosh, they've been around for like 60 years, and they're just the backbone of of recovery in the state. Asheville, North Carolina, up in the Blue Ridge Mountains, they were nice enough to invite us down here. Met some great, great people. And there's a woman I met that just absolutely captivated me. Her, Her name is Ginger Malcolm. She came up to me earlier, and she said, you know, the opposite of addiction is recovery. And that just encapsulated what this conference is all about. She said, just as active addiction affects everyone, and we certainly know that, you know, for every active alcoholic or addict, they affect anywhere from three to five to ten people, that people in recovery, your recovery also positively affects that same amount of people. And so I invited Ginger Malcolm to join us uh, on on the program. Uh, She has an interesting story. She's been in recovery for uh, six years. And she told me she's got 21 letters behind her name. We're not going to go into all the letters. Safe to say she's an internationally certified addictions counselor. Ginger, welcome to the program. Give us a little background on Ginger. 85% of um, all addiction is has a root in trauma. So, of course, early in my childhood, I suffered from mass amounts of trauma. I lost a parent um, at a very young age, became blind in uh, one eye, and 
and um, was a military kid who moved around a lot and didn't have a lot of stability. My addictive behavior showed up long before the symptoms of using drugs and alcohol did and probably uh, first began in uh, acceptance and validation was probably my first addiction was mm -hmm. I wanted to be validated. I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to fit in. Through my high school years, um, the people that accepted me and allowed me to be a part of without making fun of me and teasing me um, because I never fit in were the substance community. I began smoking weed with a cousin. I started drinking at 12. Uh, and they accepted you. Oh, yeah, open-heartedly. Anyone that wants to be a part of that oh. group is more than welcome in. And within years, you know, it led to harder drugs and harder consequences. Mm. And when, when you stopped using the drugs and alcohol, it was like you lost some friends. Oh, yeah. What's the very first thing that changes when you begin to use? Mm -hmm. You have to ask yourself. Yeah. And externally, it's your social circle. Yeah. You don't hang out with the, your friends at the basketball court anymore. You don't right. hang out with the girls that go to church anymore because they're not doing what you're doing. What led you into recovery? The consequences. Yeah, which were? Um, well, I quickly uh, became a two-time convicted felon. Mm. Um, I caught major drug charges and um, suffered the consequences of my addiction. Yet again, I was still addicted to the acceptance. You know, I began to sell drugs and, and live that lifestyle just to be wanted, just yeah. to be needed. The hole was so deep within me. Mm. My mother died as a child, so not having that nurturing, I sought it out everywhere I went and every situation I had. Mm. And how did you find recovery? Um, I was forced into recovery, like many people mm -hmm. that are in the rooms. and um, Well, nobody wakes up on a bright, sunshiny <laughs> day and says, you know, I think I'll do something about my addiction today. But nobody wakes up every morning saying, I want to use all the drugs I can until That's I die true. today. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> so you were forced into treatment? Yeah, I was forced into treatment and into the rooms. Of what was that like? <laughs> well, I was sick and tired. I mean, I was tired, and um, I didn't want to go to prison, and I was facing the same judge for the third time for a prison sentence and a DA that said, you're going, and a judge that said, the state will do this woman no good, and a God that had grace and mercy on my life and gave me the opportunity to, to do something different. You know, um, what we have to understand is that the opportunities are always facilitated. It's up to us to do what we choose to do with them, yeah. and um, I got into a 12-step program that gave me the opportunity to realize that someone shared one day and said, I love my life today. And they had a million dollar smile on their face. Wow. And I, it hit me from the, soul, from the soles of my feet to the top of my head. And I thought, God, I can't remember the last time I've loved my life. And I started crying. And I was like, I, oh. I want to love my life today. Wow. And, um, he had what you wanted. He had what I wanted. And, um, and I wanted what he had, mm. you know, and um, so I just started really allowing the program to work in my life and letting people love on me because I didn't love myself. Yeah. Was it difficult in the first year? Oh, yeah, it always is. But really and truly, you know, uh, there's many times that people say that, you know, recovery is a gift. 
but yeah. it's a gift we give ourselves. Yeah. And that first year is a gift. You know, we're we're on this uh, emotional high and this elation that we want to. The pink cloud. Yeah, the pink yeah, cloud, yeah. and we want to do better, and we want to do good, and we want to be successful, and we want our family to be proud of us, and we're we're reaching for a goal. But after the first year, we have to continue to maintain that recovery, and we have to stay connected to what works for us. You know, and um, getting to work in the field. You know, I had about after two years clean, I had gone back to school. Um, after the first year, I had had a child in recovery, early in recovery. And um, I went back to school because the substance abuse community was so much more forgiving of my past. Mm. Yet again, the substance abuse community accepted me. On the other end, um, what was meant to destroy me had been given to empower me. You know, and so I was given the opportunity to go to school. I went to school. I became a certified alcohol and drug counselor, and then I became internationally certified. Then I got my certified addiction recovery empowerment specialist with the Georgia Council on Substance Abuse. Um, I moved to North Carolina. I maintained my CSAC. I'm licensed in two states. I'm internationally certified. Why do you do what you do? Because I love what I do. They say, if you love what you do, you'll never go to work. Mm. And I never go to work. This is my life. This is who I am. This is who I've become. And I love my life today. Yeah, yeah. What, is, what is the highlight of your recovery? What has it been, the highlight? Being able to be a mother, the mother oh. that I was meant to be. Mm. That's the most important thing. When you know, with six years clean, using is no longer attractive. So it's not like um, I have a desire to use, or I get around people that I know are struggling with using, and I, and I want to use that. That desire has gone for the most part, and it's no longer attractive. But the one thing that always, when I, th- it doesn't mean that those ideas and those thoughts. Sometimes when the stress gets too hard and and life shows up, that I don't feel overloaded that I don't think, oh, I could just I could just grab one of those strawberry Ritas on the way home. You know, there are times when those thoughts cross our minds yeah. in recovery. It happens to all of us, yes. no matter how much clean time we have. Yeah. But when they come, the one thing I know is that one is too many and a thousand is never enough. Yeah. Like one will lead to a, something else and something else and another drug and a different, and a different um, outcome. And, and the one thing that keeps me centered is knowing that if I pick up that first one, mm. I cannot be the mother that I have been given the ability to be today because I stay clean. Mm. Uh, we're visiting with uh, Ginger Malcolm. She lives in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Uh, you work for the Job Corps. What do you do there? <laughs> I'm a TEEP specialist, which is a fancy a yeah, training there we go with another Training acronym. Employment <laughs> Assistance Program <laughs> Specialist. So that's a n- fancy uh, government word for um, for a substance abuse counselor, mm. um, and that relates everything to their workforce development. You know how substance abuse affects the workforce, meaning that even though you're in states that it's legal, you can still be fired on the job for popping positive on a drug screen, and the consequences that still come from drug use in the workforce. Mm. Um, and so I, I work with kids between the ages of 16 and 24. It is the most rewarding job I've ever had in my life to be a part of um, arguing with them about marijuana all day. Mm. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. You've, you've had a very rough past uh, up to your recovery uh, with, with a lot of rough characters. What happens when you run into the people that you ran with then as you are now? Well, thanks to social media, (laughs) it has given me such a platform of accountability. Um, I have a following on social media. Um, 
you know, Ginger Stream the Dream Malcolm is my Facebook page. Stream the Dream. Dream. I do a I lot of. I love it. I stream a lot of live Facebook videos on recovery and consistency and life on life's terms and perspective. And, and so because I do that, it's given me accountability. So most people who did know me um, know that I'm in recovery. Know that I'm a voice for people who want help. And the most amazing thing that's happened from that is that people that I used to use with yeah. will hit me up on Facebook and say, I got a girl that needs some help. I got a friend who needs to get in treatment. Uh, I need I need to know if there's somewhere I can go. Mm. These people come to me today because that's what I do. I used my credentials, especially in the state of Georgia, to go into their courtrooms and advocate for the recovery process rather than incarceration. So I've helped a great number of people. I've been used to help a great number mm-hmm. of people um, facilitate the opportunity for recovery. Yeah. Yeah. And so because people know that I do that, people come to me from all over. I just recently was able to get a girl who was pregnant and um, had was using and, and had got had some warrants and wants and wanted to get clean, got her out of jail in Louisiana, brought her all the way to Georgia, got her in a wonderful place there called Mary Hall Freedom House, um, which is free and state-funded to help pregnant women and women with children um, into a program that's going to change her life. And she's got seven months clean today. Wow. I was able a to... A miracle. Get, yeah, a miracle. At the last uh, North Carolina conference, while I was at the conference, I was at actually able to facilitate the opportunity for a young woman who I used to sponsor to come all the way from Georgia to first at Blue Ridge here in North Carolina for free, you know, and she's got nine months clean today. Like it's unbelievable to be a part of the people's process, people that I know, people that I've seen in active addiction. Yeah. What what are you doing for yourself these days to to, to keep moving forward? What inspires you? (laughs) The recovery process alone inspires me every day, but advocacy is my passion to Ah. advocate for people that are just like me, but not just, not just, just like me, but also, um, you know, the opioid crisis. I recently um, wrote a paper that, you know, that stated that um, in the county that I live in alone has lost 21 individuals to overdosing since 2018. That began just a few short months ago. That has a tremendous impact on our communities as well as the providers in our area. Um, We have to find ways not just to educate others about the opioid crisis, but to also bring about acceptance to therapeutic and medical pathways that divert the tragic loss of life into healing restoration of one true self. Talk about medical assistance. Well, I mean, I believe that these individuals need to be given the opportunity for change. Um, the, the thing that happens with medical assistance is there's such a stigma that you're not really clean according to certain 12-step programs. But here's the thing. This is about recovery. This is not about clean or dirty. This is not about sober or sane or, you know, those things come in the recovery process. But this is about being in the recovery process. And recovery means an active change in ideas and um and behaviors, you know, and if I am someone who has been in opioids for quite some time and I make an active decision that I don't want to use anymore, but I need some help getting there. I need some help cleaning up my life and becoming a productive member of society. And if that answer comes in medically assisted treatment and I can become a productive member of society, then then people need to support me in that. We need to support individuals on their pathways no matter what they are. Yeah. If we have a young man who 
who has lost his children and everything and they're in defects custody and working out and getting in the gym and having a mentor is what brings him into the recovery process and he's got two and a half years clean and he's a productive member of society and he's working a job and he's taking care of his kids and he's providing for his family. If that's not what recovery is, I don't know what is. You know, so it's not, we need to step away from looking at things. And it's another clean, tool in the toolbox. Yes, uh, away from looking at things as clean and dirty, yeah. you know. And I do not forget where I came from. And I still participate in 12-step meetings because theres it's not about me. It's about the one behind me. And there's someone in those rooms that are waiting. They're yeah, waiting for yeah, me. Yeah, they're yeah. waiting to love their life again. Yeah. Well, you had said to me earlier, just as active addiction you know, affects everyone, so does recovery. Talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that, how recovery, one person's recovery affects others. Well, the thing is, is like my active addiction affected every life I touched. My recovery has the opportunity to affect every life I touch. And I don't just mean my family. This is a gift I give myself. And when I give that gift to myself, I give it to my employer. I give it to my family. I give it to my children. I give it to my community. I give it to everyone I come in contact with because I've changed internally in all areas of my life. And I come from a place of love now. And so I get to spread that love and that hope for change to everyone who comes in contact with me, everyone who hears this radio station. Every time I speak, there's an opportunity to facilitate change in someone else's life and to breed hope. This hope becomes infectious. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. people want that. People want that 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 desire and that and that loss of fear. Hope is a loss of fear. When we lose fear, we gain courage and we operate in that place from internally. And we get when we get the courage, we empower other people to have the courage to say, I need help or I want to stand up and be a voice for what you're doing. I want to be a recovery ally. I want to support what you're doing. Ginger Malcolm joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. She is from Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Uh, she's a certified international counselor. She's got a lot of letters behind <laughs> her name, but even more so than that, she's a real person in real recovery, carrying a real message to people who are in real need. Yes. Uh, she's a beautiful woman inside <laughs> and out. I salute you. I, I spoke with her earlier in, in just passing conversation, and I realized this is someone I had to go into the other room to find, to bring here, to share that story. Yeah. I thank you so very much. Thank you. I'm Neil Scott, the program Recovery Coast to Coast. Short time out, we'll be back with more right after this. I lie to all my friends. I mean, I look right at my kids and lie to them. I make excuses to my family. I make excuses to the people at work. I hide the truth from everyone. Cover up at family holidays, you know, act as if everything's okay. Pretend I'm happy. Every day, I deceive everyone close to me. This man isn't addicted to drugs or alcohol. He's just addicted to covering up for someone who is. He thinks it helps, but it doesn't. Find out what does. For more information or help, call 800-662-9111. Are you afraid? Afraid of life without drugs and alcohol? There is help and hope at Sundown M Ranch. At Sundown, the focus is on you and your disease. You will learn how to live without depending on drugs and alcohol. Sundown M Ranch is nationally recognized for effective and affordable alcohol and drug treatment programs. Reclaim your life. Replace your fears with hope. Go to www.sundown.org right now to learn more. Aha! <laughs> Think earlier. 
Brew Starbucks at home. Available where groceries are sold. Today is the day. Think earlier. Brew Starbucks at home. Available where groceries are sold. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast. We are on the road. We are down here in Asheville, North Carolina, broadcasting from the annual conference of the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina, APNC.org. And, of course, uh, up in the Blue Ridge Mountains, it's absolutely gorgeous. This is a tremendously successful conference. They've had the most registrants ever. I think it's uh, 250, 300 people who are here. Uh, and, and one of the exhibitors and sponsors that has fascinated me is a program called DWIPayless.com. And I've invited Jason Cornelison to uh, give us a little background. What is your program? I know you deal with, with insurance and especially targeting people after they've had a DWI. Yes, sir. Um, basically, we're a, a large property and casualty insurance agency in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we specialize in auto insurance after someone's been convicted of a DWI. Um, our rates are extremely low and sometimes lower than the rate they had prior to the conviction. When we entered into that arena, we found that there was a lot of unknowns um, that people involved in DWI needed to know while they were going through it that involved an attorney, an assessment center, ignition interlock, and alternate alternative ways to drive. Um, now this, when we started this, of course it was before Uber, before Lyft, and so we were just an informative site to help people in any facet of it where they might have been stuck. Mm -hmm. um, we just didn't want to be an insurance um, agency that was just there to sell somebody insurance in their time of need. Uh, we're open seven days a week till 9 p.m. We open at 7.30 a.m. Um, my staff is just customer service experts. Um, we have 17 fully licensed agents that um, assist us with this, so we do more than just sell insurance. Um, we're really there for the person through the whole process. Some people just need us for the insurance, and some people really need almost kind of like a coach through the whole ordeal. Really? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, what we found is um, there's such things as we call roadblocks to recovery. Right. And for the normal person who gets a DWI, it's a very traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. And that juggled with everyday life as far as work, family, relationships, um, and the, the loss of a license or the possibility thereof and the effects it has on your, your job and ability to either keep your job or get another job. There's a lot of anxiety there, and sometimes people just need somebody that's there to help. Um, everybody knows, hey, a DWI is not a good thing. Every, you know, they're not proud of it. But at the same time, when everybody in the room is constantly telling you what a horrible thing it is and nobody's there to help you, you kind of lose sight of, you know, you are still a person, and there's a valuable lesson there to be learned in the DWI itself. Jason Cornelison is joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast, DWIPayless.com. They can help you out with, with car insurance after a, a DWI. And people don't realize the cost of a DWI. It's, um, you know, they like to throw a ten dollars to $12,000 number out there when it comes to your attorney's fees. Yeah. The increase in insurance, court costs, fines, and things of that nature. And I think that number is pretty accurate. Um, my thing is, and, and I'll tell you, we started DWIPayless.com after I got my DWI. No kidding. Yeah. I was, I've always been a businessman. Um, really, there was no red flags as far as uh, a drinking problem I didn't really realize I had. Mm -hmm. um, I had the good job, made good money, good husband, um, beautiful son, 
I mean, everything from the outside looked as it should. And when I got tangled up in the process, I really realized that there was a problem, um, that I was putting um, a substance, you know, alcohol, in front of other areas of my life, and I never even realized it and until the DWI. And then when I kind of got engulfed in the DWI itself, I realized, hey, there's probably other people out there yeah. just like me because it's just so socially acceptable to really drink a lot more than you should. Um, and, you know, my friends and peers and coworkers um, do it all the time. And, you know, I just, I seen that when somebody like myself gets tied up in the DWI, we have the resources we need to really sidestep the problem without noticing the problem. Um, and I found, you know, that that was my biggest fallback was if you have the money and you have the time, and you have the resources, you really don't feel the pain and you don't really learn the lesson that lies in your DWI. Because for a lot of people, it's the first red flag that there might be an issue. Oh, um, yeah. So, and I didn't know any of this. I'm not a counselor by any means. Um, had never been to a counselor. Matter of fact, the DWI assessment that I went to was the first time I ever even spoke to a counselor. And it was a real eye-opener for me, and I realized it wasn't until the end of the DWI assessment and all the classes that I really found myself that there was a lesson I wish I would have picked up from day one, but I went in with my fists up. I was very defensive, and I wasn't absorbing the information, the lessons they were trying to teach me, because just as everybody else had viewed me as somebody that didn't have a problem, I viewed myself the same way. Sure. So sure. It, it's um, it's really kind of like a personal thing for me because um, I see people out there and I've seen the other sides of it. I've seen the sides of it where somebody makes, you know, twenty twenty five thousand dollars $25,000 a year. They're struggling to pay their bills. They live week to week. They get banged with this DWI. They get tied up with an attorney that makes them think that they're going to be able to, you know, get away from yeah, yeah, yeah. it. And, and before they know it, they're spending 15 20% of their net annual income to get away from something that really honestly if there was no aggravating circumstances as far as I'm concerned DWI is no different than the person that goes down the road talking on their cell phone or texting right but you don't see anybody right. waving wagging fingers at them and, and you know taking their license and things of that nature and I don't condone DWI in any way whatsoever driving under the influence but I also don't condone just you know when you got somebody down just really sinking your boot heel in their neck, yeah. um, you know. And and I think there's a lot of people out there that get that. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you don't have the financial resources and the time oh. um, to to get through the whole process, is how I see it. Because um, basically, you get arrested, you got to get an attorney. There's going to be court costs. You have to get uh, an assessment. Now I'm talking from a North Carolina standpoint. Yep. That's the only place we operate. And then from there, depending on what you blew, you're going to have to get an ignition airlock device, and then insurance is going to go through the roof. Um, so that's kind of where DWIPayless.com came from, is we just kind of try to wrap the whole thing up and then make it easier to kind of understand and take it in little bites. How long have you been doing this, Jason? And if you're just joining us, Jason Cornelison is, is with us. He's the coordinator of DWIPayless.com. You know, I um, got my DWI in 2008. Mm. Um, I opened up my insurance agency in 2006. Um, and my insurance agency is Pegram Insurance, P-E-G-R-A-M, um, but it was a franchise, and there's 41 of them throughout the state of North Carolina. Oh. So when I set out to kind of, in this arena, I couldn't really use that name right? because people would just associate it with the local Pegram, um, which they're very prominent in North Carolina. So then DWIPayless.com was a way to separate myself from other franchisees. But it was never really about the money. It was more or less about something that I felt like I had to give back. I felt like I got more from my DWI than most people would. It was an eye-opener for me. I was, 
it sounds weird, but I was almost kind of thankful for it. Mm. Um, I feel if it didn't happen when it happened in my life, I'm almost 40 now. Um, so, I mean, you're going back almost 10 years. Um, I, you know, I was young. I was in my early 30s. Um, and I'm just glad it happened then, and I was able to get from it what I could. And I felt like, you know, if I could help some other people maybe see that, the way I seen it, um, coming from my standpoint, because I'm not associated with, I'm not associated with a law firm or an assessment center or right. interlock. I mean, you know, I really have nothing more to tell. Than You're my independent. Story. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, we've been doing it since 2008, and uh, mm. I think we do a good job. We have some really good people that work out of the agency that have a passion for it. Um, I have two of them here with me today. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and they we put a lot into it. What about uh, the, the cost after a DWI? Obviously, insurance is going to go up, but you say you can help get some of the lowest rates. How do you do that? You know, it's um, the insurance carriers I use, um, we shop our, our clients. Mm -hmm. um, my book of business is very large. We shop our clients at every renewal. It doesn't matter whether you have a DWI or if you have your homeowner's policy with me. Really? Or we shop everybody, and most agencies cannot take on that workload. And if there's not a large increase in your monthly premium, mm. they won't shop you. Um, we have over 20 carriers we shop to make sure that we keep your rates low. We actually have carriers out there that see the DWI as a turning point for most people, and you actually get a discount for it. And I know that sounds really? absolutely crazy, but if anybody cares to go into it further, I'm telling you, before I had a, a really nice BMW when I got my DWI, and my annual premium was a little over $1,200 a year. I like to write on a year to mm -hmm. uh, offset any fluctuation in, 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 in you know, prices right. rather than twice a year, every six months. It was a little over $1,200. I wrote with one of my top carriers at the time, which is not now, but um, it's uh, G was GMAC at the time. My rate dropped under nine hundred dollars every twelve every twelve months. After the DWI. After the DWI, DWI fell off my record, and my rate actually readjusted to market and actually went back over what it was before I had the DWI. Go figure. And you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's funny. People don't realize. I mean, insurance is just a measurement of risk. You know, divided yeah. amongst a pool of drivers and. Uh, there's just some people out there that associate that risk. Now, if you get more than one, there's really no help in you because there's not a, a product for that. But what, what most of your underwriters that write this, this insurance feel is if you made this mistake once, chances of you making it, it's almost kind of like being in the same spot and lightning striking twice. Ah, so okay. they see it as a way to kind of give them some insulation from right. a reoccurrence in, unless there's some things on your driving record that show that this is a repeated um, pattern of behavior, right, which right. then is shown in a lot of reckless and exactly. Stuff, yeah. I mean, if you're just you're, if you're reckless with your driving yep, yep. and things of that nature, then that's really not. But if it's in this situation, um, which a lot of DWIs are, um, you know, it's just not something. It, it, believe it or not, we actually have carriers where we can offset what would tip, typically most people would associate with the DWI as high insurance, and either keep it the same, and in a lot of cases, lower. Jason Cornelison joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast, DWIPayless.com. What kind of feedback have you gotten from some of the people that you've helped? Um, you know, they love it. Everybody loves yeah. to save money. Um, but, you know, what we really get out of it is they they really appreciate the extra help in addition to just the insurance. Yeah. Um, I mean, our biggest question is, where are you at in the process? Um, and a lot of people, they just keep, they procrastinate. And we're like, folks, I mean, the more, you know, you, you eat an elephant one bite at a time, where <laughs> the end of this thing may seem years away, but it's yeah. really not that far. And yeah. you need to take steps every day, every week, 
um, to help offset that huge impact when the time does come so you're not having to overcome such huge obstacles. Mm. So um, people love saving the money, but they really, truly do appreciate the fact that we are sincere about making sure that they get to the next step in whatever their process is. How do people find out about you? How do you get your referrals? Um, basically, events like this is our first time to this event. And um, you're a sponsor of this event. We're a sponsor Congratulations of this event. Congratulations and thank, thank you. you on behalf of the organization. Thank you. We, um, in the very beginning, we used um, a lot of internet um, uh, search engine optimization, yeah, yeah. Um, clip campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've just really, it was just such a, a huge cost to us. We really tried to wind it back down and go grassroots mm-hmm. and just shake hands and tell people who we are. Uh, we speak with a lot of uh, people that give assessments, DWI assessments, do the classes. We right. work hand in hand with monetary ignition interlock um, that's who got me through my ordeal I had to have a, um, a ignition interlock in my vehicle for a year is that mandatory in this state on a first in, time in North Carolina it's 0.15 or higher mm. um, okay and you know a lot of people think they can get out of it you can it's actually mandated by the DMV has nothing to do with right. the actual legal side of it. Um, and so it's 0.15 or higher. Um, so I have a really good relationship with Monotech. They have uh, 29 installation centers throughout North Carolina. Um, and uh, How long does someone have to have the interlock? Well, in, in my situation, it was a year. Mm. Um, but it could be three and up to five years. Does the judge decide that? The judge doesn't decide that. The Department of Motor DMV? Vehicles does. A lot of people um, don't realize that a uh, driver's license is not a... It's a privilege. It's not a right. right. I mean, we have, yeah, I mean, right. the Second Amendment's a right. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, as far as the the right to drive on, you know, uh, roads, yeah. you know, that are governed by state troopers and you know, paid for with our taxes, um, that's actually a privilege. Mm. And um, if you hunt your license and you lose it, it's uh, the Department of Motor Vehicles uh, better be. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, and we help navigate that, and that's really hard for some people to understand. They, you know, they don't understand that a lawyer can't get you out of everything, even yeah. if you have the money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Do you get referrals from lawyers? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, because a lawyer, put it this way, a lawyer, you pay the most amount of money in the whole ordeal. They get the biggest check. Anything that they can give their client in return as far as value, and I call it a value proposition because anybody that I draw into what we call our referral network, mm-hmm. there has to be a value proposition. You have to bring something to the table that somebody can't buy. You have to give right, them value. Right, right. And we've always felt that you know attorneys love referring us because – and re- instead of them or their paralegal answering, you know, 45, 60 <laughs> minutes worth of questions, yeah, yeah. we are glad to do it. There's Jason on the phone talking <laughs> to another one. Yeah, I wish. Um, I need more people. Yeah. Uh, my agents, uh, uh, we're very busy. We're, we're a large agency. We write everything. We write property, casualty, uh, commercial. Um, we write a lot of business insurance, um, home and renters. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say, Jason, why do you do it? Your office, you know, the phones don't stop ringing. I'm yeah. like, well, it's just... It's, it's just kind of like a calling. It's something I need to do. I, I believe we're going to be able to grow it larger. And this is, and let me tell you, when I got started in this, there was no Uber or no Lyft. <laughs> and as we evolve yeah. um, in the resources that we have, it helps people work through situations like this. You don't have as many reasons to drive drunk or intoxicated or buzzed driving, as a lot of people call it, because that's still dangerous, right. as you did. Because, I mean, look at it. I mean, a lot of people are looking into uh, ride sharing. I mean, they don't even want to own a vehicle. So you really don't have, there's not that necessity when you're in larger cities that support that, like Charlotte, where mm-hmm. I'm from, or even Asheville. I mean, an Uber ride is nothing. $8 will get you anywhere in Asheville, yeah. you know, and a $2 tip, um, and you avoid all that risk. Yeah. Um, and so as, as everything evolves, technology evolves, I believe organizations um, and events like this are very important because when you get the professionals that are in this situation all together in one room, 
and anything I might be able to offer them as far as a free service they can offer their client or right. I could do vice versa. I mean, it's almost kind of like free enterprise. The customer always wins a competition. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and in sort of like a nonprofit situation where I am here is how I like to look at myself because I don't charge for this service yeah. um, other than if you do take advantage of the savings that my insurance agency offers you. Um, but, I mean, you're getting a huge savings in return for something you need, but that's not what I'm set out to do. I don't. If I sold insurance to uh, just a little over 20% of the people I help, I mean, I believe me, I wouldn't have time to be sitting yeah. here, but that's not the case. I mean, if I talk to 100 people, I might sell five policies. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, with that said, I believe when everybody gets together, um, and it is like free enterprise, and even though we're, you know, I don't really call them customers. I consider them, you know, more so like clients. Yeah. Um, uh, but they still win. They still win. And anytime people get together, working professionals, um, and that's, you know, my sign says professionals together helping people. Yeah, yeah. And that's basically all we are because there's more knowledge in this room and the ability of what could offset, you know, um, just the, uh, the deaths and, and, and things of that nature and the mishaps of drunk driving. And not just drunk driving. Now, I understand that that's where I kind of stop. I don't know anything about the um, drug addiction and like some of these other people, and they're professionals, and I love talking with them because just to hear them speak, it's, yeah. it's you really have a, a true respect for people that enjoy doing what they do. A lot of people in this room, you could tell, really have a passion for it. Yeah. Your office is in Charlotte? Yes, my insurance office is in Charlotte. But you cover the entire state of North Co Carolina. Cover the entire state of North Carolina. I have four reps, a marketing manager. We ride around. Um, it costs a lot of money. It's mm. Believe it or not, I pay in probably... Anywhere between eighteen and twenty thousand dollars a month, um, and trust me, I do not sell that much insurance to wow. cover that expense. Um, but what do I see coming from it? Um, the few people I can help today um, mm -hmm. multiplied by tomorrow and tomorrow, and if I'm blessed even further for tomorrow's to come, um, it'll pay back eventually. Mm -hmm. um, because you know, when you give somebody that extra little bit of help that you never charged for, that you know you were gladly to give, um, it always comes back. Jason Cornelison, we need 49 more of you in this country. Yeah, we're trying. Because uh, it goes state by state, and this is just in North Carolina. Yeah. And if you happen to be listening and you're in North Carolina, uh, this is this is a really good guy. And I, I, I can tell you this, and I don't want to cut you off. With the help and blessing of Monotech, and I just sat down mm -hmm. with their CEO and CFO, um, and I've been doing this since 2008, and I was very small, and so it was, you know, even as loud as my voice is, I couldn't get a lot of attention. But with persistence, it's paid off, and I have got the attention of people with pockets much larger than mine, and uh, we are going to be rolling out, um, and we're going to start in the East Coast first, and we're going to see how oh, far we wow. we're going to see how far we can take it. I have some help with some people that really do see the value in it. Much needed. So Jason, you know, there's much states needed. to come, states to come. Absolutely. Thank you for your time, awesome. and thank you for being a sponsor. Hey, thank you very All much. All right, Jason Cornelison, uh, DWIPaylist.com. Check out the website, and uh, this guy's doing good work. We need more of this all around the country. I'm Neil Scott. We're going to take a short time out. Back with more. We are in the Blue Ridge Mountains at the uh, conference for APNC, the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina. We'll be right back. You have been listening to Part 1 of Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Seattle, Washington. Carried live on KHHO AM850 in Tacoma, Washington, and heard nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. We invite you to stay tuned for Part 2 of Recovery Coast to Coast. If you've been in continuous recovery for at least a year, 
and would like to share your story with others, please send us an email at recoverycoasttocoast at comcast.net. For more information about future programs, please visit www.recoverycoasttocoast.org where you can listen to, download, or podcast our last five shows, as well as find information on upcoming programs. This is KHHO AM 850 in Tacoma, Washington, broadcasting from Seattle. Welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Seattle, Washington, carried live on KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and carried nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. Two hours of interviews and features, plus questions and comments about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery as we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. And now... Recovery Coast to Coast is on the air. Here's your host, Neil Scott. Welcome back once again. I'm Neil Scott, Recovery Coast to Coast. We are broadcasting from the annual conference of the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina. Great organization. If you want to find out more about them, go to their website, apnc.org. We are in Asheville, North Carolina, right up in the Blue Ridge Mountains. The premier sponsor of this conference is a treatment center that's set up right next to us. Melanie Knight joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. She is the Community Outreach Coordinator at Crestview. Their website, by the way, is CrestviewRecoveryCenter.com in Asheville, North Carolina. I was talking to Melanie before we started the interview, and I asked her about how the treatment center came to be, and it's kind of a fascinating story. Mm -hmm. Would you share that? Yeah, it's actually um, two married couples, and the two husbands actually met at a facility like this, and that's where they got clean and sober. And it's the same type of layout program that they decided to bring up to Asheville. There wasn't one in place like us, um, and it's a reality skills-based program, so they brought that up here. How long ago was that? When did it begin? So we opened our doors December 2015. We're still fairly young. What makes your program different, unique, successful? Um, so I would say the, the reality skills-based part of it is that um, folks live off-site, our clients live off-site, and then they are transported back and forth to our clinical facility, which is right downtown Asheville. They're always under supervision by behavioral health techs, and we transport them everywhere. It's a very structured day, but what that allows them to do is go grocery shopping. You know, they're working on budgeting and grocery lists. They're doing chores at the house. In the evenings, we're going to um, recovery meetings within the community. So what that's doing is allowing people to get really vested in their own recovery, and then it prepares for a more gentle transition into like sober living and step down. We own three homes that are about four or five minutes away from our facility. We've got two in West Asheville and then one in East Asheville. Mm. Um, females and males are separate and they're always, again, it's awake staff, so they're always staffed with um, folks that are there to watch them to you know be there in case of emergency. So there is accountability. Yes, absolutely. And the day is so structured. So it's they're living with us while they're in treatment. Right. Um, they don't have access, like they can't bring a car, um, you know, they're they're not working or anything like that. They're going to treatment. So instead of, say, going to work for eight hours a day, you're coming to treatment. Mm. So, again, it's a really good setup for folks that then have to make the transition back to normal life and, um, and you know, maintaining that schedule and then, again, being 
in tune with going to recovery meetings on their own every evening. So it just yeah. really kind of sets them up to continue along that. So you have, th you have three homes, two for men, one for women. And, and what's the total number of people? 35. 35. A total of 35 mm -hmm. at any one yeah, time. Yeah, we're a smaller facility, so that allows us to be more hands-on with all of our clients. Nobody's, you know, slipping through the cracks. Melanie Knight is joining us. She's Community Outreach Coordinator at Crestview. What does a typical day look like, and what is the length of treatment? Our average length of stay is about 40 to 45 days. Um, okay, so it depends on the need of the patient. It's always based on medical okay. necessities, and every, every patient's different, obviously, but the average has always been about 40 to 45. And the day really structured, so starting at about 7 o'clock, they're up, you know, doing breakfast at the house, and then by nine, they're at our facility. They have programming, you know, educational groups. They've got relapse prevention group. Then we also take a holistic approach to treatment. So they're working, doing yoga that's trauma and addiction focused, as well as mindfulness. Oh, wow. And um, we have an acupuncturist that comes in. Um, that does the five-point acupuncture, it's mm -hmm. addiction-focused. They leave and they do lunch at the house, they do grocery shopping, and that's that's another supervised activity, and that's part of it. So walking past the beer aisle and not oh. spending your money on beer. Wow. You know? So dealing with certain triggers in their everyday life. And then in the evenings... So that is reality-based. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then in the evenings, we go to a different meeting, different location. There's a ton of meetings in this area. Mm -hmm. So meetings in the evenings, and um, then on the weekends, they have a half day on Saturday. And then we do activities, planned activities around town. Sometimes they're doing like pottery making hmm. or painting. Sometimes they're doing hikes in the Arboretum. Just really kind of depends on the weather and things like that. Melanie Knight joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. She is the Community Outreach Coordinator at Crestview. Their website, by the way, is CrestviewRecoveryCenter.com. Uh, you can find out more about them by, by checking that out. Uh, what about the family? The fam there is a family component um, within the first 11 days, for the first 11 days of the phase one system with them. They don't have phone and they don't have um, you know, access to be able to reach out except with their case manager. They do set up within the first 11 days a family or loved one session. Mm -hmm. So that is set up. And then we also just started the first Wednesday of every month um, in the evening, we're doing a free family support group at our facility that is clinically led. Oh. It's, yeah, it's something that Asheville needed. So that's just started this month. And is that just for people who go through Crestview? Nope, that's for everybody. For everyone? Mm -hmm. So that's open to anyone, and then um, we have facilities that can come in and talk to the families about their services as well, mm. so they kind of sign up on a monthly basis. But yeah, this, so this will be our second month. So after the average length of stay, you say there's sober housing? So we would step them down. We have an um, IOP, which is mm. um, an intensive outpatient program that they have the potential to step down into if they're wanting to stay in Asheville and it's a good fit, then that meets on Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays for three hours a day. So that would be the step down, but they would no longer be living with us at that point. But we have really strong relationships with the sober living community here right, in Asheville. Right. Are you able to help place them yeah. in those kinds of settings? Yeah, well, I mean, when where there's availability. Yeah. We, we're yeah. able to reach out. We have a discharge planner that works with them. You know, she reaches out and then finds out where there's bed availability, you know, works with like their budget, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we work with the houses that have a lot of accountabilities. Melanie Knight is joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. Uh, the program is called Crestview. It's a premier sponsor of the conference, by the way, here in Asheville. Thank you for doing that because it's a great, 
great. Con- I felt the energy when I walked in this room. It's it's amazing. It is. It's, it's truly, good, truly good amazing. Chance. And it's in our backyard. And it's <laughs> you don't have to travel far. <laughs> I, right? Absolutely. <laughs> what about alumni? Do you do anything for people who've been through the program? We do. About quarterly, we're doing um, alumni outings. So we are, our discharge planner. Um, also coordinates is our alumni program mm-hmm. coordinator and so about quarterly they do different outings we just recently had like a bowling night where everybody got together it's uh, keeping them busy in, in sober activities it is yeah the program is called Crestview and you know programs are only as good as the staff that runs them mm-hmm. tell me about your staff at Crestview well I mean the four owners themselves have all been in this industry for you know over 10 years mm. um, and then we've got um, Patrice Wishon is our clinic director that has had a lot of experience with um, trauma addiction so she's a great resource for us and then we also have a psychiatrist on staff mm. so we're able but we are an abstinence-based program so you know non-narcotics right um, but we can work with folks that have dual diagnosis so that's mm-hmm. really important of the program as well do most of your patients come from North Carolina or outside the area or do you have a feel for that I mean I, I would say the majority probably comes from like yeah. a two or three hour radius yeah. but I mean we there's all kinds of outliers to that I mean we yeah get folks from Florida New Jersey uh, yeah I mean there there's anybody that that wants to come to Asheville and Asheville's obviously a growing recovery area so. yeah yeah I've heard a, a tremendous amount about the recovery community yeah. here. Well, Tremendous it's, there's amount. so much sober activity yeah. and it's a very like holistic nourishing place. So yeah. I think that's part of it as well. Crestviewrecoverycenter.com is the website. You've been there, what, two, three years? About, yeah, two and a half. What have you learned in that time? For me, I just love like working with the clients and with the families, like when you're talking to folks. And I've learned that obviously just finding the right fit for everybody is the most important thing. It's always about client care and making sure that that people are getting the best treatment for them. Mm -hmm. A lot of treatment centers in the area, and and do you work in conjunction with them? There's a few. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that I've seen too in this industry Mm -hmm. is that everybody really works together. You know, for the most part, there's a lot of collaboration with making sure, again, that people get the right treatment. Um, you know, we've got a group of us that all meet that, like, we can call, you know, I can send a text to somebody and see if somebody is a better fit for them right, or if right. there's a good, you know, aftercare resource. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a tight-knit group. group yeah, of the people. coordination in this area seems to be incredible. <laughs> yeah. It really yeah, is. Yeah, we literally all, like, hang out and talk to each other yeah. quite a bit. Part of that's going on right here yeah. at the conference in Asheville. I want to give out the website once again, CrestviewRecoveryCenter.com, 35 people max. How many women? So, um, the women, I believe there's 12 and then um, the men. Do they co-mingle during the day? They do have some joint groups, but um, for the most part, everything is separate. Gender specific. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important when people are struggling with recovery to avoid the game playing, the posturing. Yeah. Yeah. All of the things that go with it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and there's, there's a lot more openness when you're amongst you yes know, yes yes what i've heard a great program mm-hmm. maybe someday i'll get a chance to see it yeah. firsthand yeah uh, it's called crestview it's in Asheville, north carolina and melanie knight nice enough to join us for just a few minutes i'm neil scott the program recovery coast to coast we're going to take a short time out back with more right after this if you're considering a career as a chemical dependency counselor, here are five reasons to enroll at the Institute of Chemical Dependency Studies. It's recommended for up to 24 hours of college credit by the American Council on Education. 
offers an accelerated distance learning program, is an ADAC-approved provider, and their training meets the criteria for the Certified Justice Professional Certification. Plus, student loans are also available. Start your career today. Call 866-523-2669 or go to www.cdstudies.com. We now join the new Diet 7-Up Taste Challenge already in progress. Okay, I want you all to try this and then just say the first thing that pops in your head. Amazing. Yeah, mm, totally. Mm, there's more flavor. Yeah, more natural flavor. Mm-hmm. More lemon-lime flavor. Yeah, you're both right. There's more natural lemon-lime flavor. Yeah, the lemon-lime flavor is totally zesty. Zingy. Zippy. With zero calories. What is it? Yeah. New Diet 7-Up. Diet 7-Up is new? Yeah, it's been totally reinvented with more natural lemon-lime flavor than ever. It's totally refreshing. I love I know. it. No. Uh, and it's diet, too. And where's the aftertaste? Now, yeah. that is refreshing. <laughs> Here's to more flavor in our lives. <laughs> Try new Diet 7-Up, now with more natural lemon-lime flavor than ever. Diet 7-Up, totally reinvented, totally refreshing. Stop in to your nearest grocery or convenience store today and pick up the new Diet 7-Up. Diet 7-Up has been totally reinvented and still has zero calories. Taste the new refreshing burst of lemon-lime flavors in Diet 7-Up today. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast. We are broadcasting from the Asheville, North Carolina area up in the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's at the annual conference of APNC. It is the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina, a wonderful, wonderful organization and a great conference. Met a lot of really, really neat people. Uh, and, and joining us in the segment is Travis Herman. He's the National Clinical Liaison of Silver Ridge Recovery. Silver Ridge is part of Pyramid Healthcare, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm delighted to have Travis here. Travis, welcome to the program, first of all. Tell us about the umbrella organization to start off with, because I know you folks have a lot going on. Pyramid Health, tell me about that. Sure. So Pyramid Healthcare was started in 1999 as a uh, 16-bed Medicaid facility in Altoona, Pennsylvania. So we started our... Um, That's a long way away in Altoona. Yeah. Do you know where Altoona is? Yes. Okay, it's Central PA. And it was started by our CEO, uh, Jonathan Wolf. Mm-hmm. Our goal was to be able to serve folks throughout Pennsylvania um, with the had addiction uh, struggles and um, be able to serve the Medicaid population. Over um, that, uh, let's say, I guess, 18, 19 years now, um, we have added programs throughout Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and North Carolina. So, um, how many programs? I think, well, we go by locations, so mm-hmm. I think we're up to 86, maybe 87 wow. locations now, and, and that will soon include Atlanta, Georgia as well. Um, and then we have um, we have several organizations under that umbrella that specialize in different things. Mm-hmm. So I'll kind of start at the top and then walk through okay. each one. I won't get too nitty-gritty. No, don't. Um, but uh, I'll explain each program. So Pyramid Healthcare um, is throughout Pennsylvania. And they provide adolescent and adult addiction treatment, outpatient and inpatient treatment uh, all across Pennsylvania, uh, east to west, so Pittsburgh to to Philly. And then um, we have high focus centers in New Jersey, which is adolescent and adult. um, When I say PHP and IOP, I mean partial hospitalization and and intensive outpatient. For adolescents and adults, for mental health and substance use throughout New Jersey. And we'll soon have um, uh, some programming in New Jersey for Medicaid individuals as well. And in-network, meaning um, uh, we accept commercial insurances. Sure. Um, Let's bring it down into North Carolina. Okay. So in North Carolina, we have uh, four programs here in Asheville currently. 
Um, so that is October Road, which started in 2006. Love the name. Well, do you know where it comes from? No. So it's uh, um, uh, James Taylor. Oh, album yeah. oh I was thinking, I didn't think it was from that. I, I knew that song, but I didn't think it was from the song. Yep. No kidding. Yep. So that whole album and that song is about um, transformation, change, right, right. rebirth, regrowth. And so the founders of October Road um, felt that that was a, a, a fitting uh, name. Does James know about that? I don't know if he does or not. He so is in recovery. He's in recovery, and he has a history with Asheville. I may be getting this wrong, but I'm pretty sure that he did some treatment at Highland Hospital when it, here in Asheville. Ah, when it was okay, still, okay. Uh, still around. So we have October Road, which serves adults. Um, and we serve a variety of different adults there, and we take a variety of different um, uh, payers there, meaning we work with folks with no insurance. Mm -hmm. so Medicaid we, folks? We work mm -hmm. with, well, not even just Medicaid, so completely uninsured individuals. Oh. We work with an organization uh, called Via Health that manages um, state and government dollars set aside for uninsured individuals, providing them outpatient mental health and substance use treatment. And then we serve people with Medicaid, North Carolina Medicaid. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're also in network with a variety of insurances, commercial insurances as well. And we can also work with Medicare there at October Road. And it's a pretty robust program, outpatient mental health and substance use. So medication management, we have mm -hmm. psychiatrists and nurse practitioners on, on site. And then we do intensive outpatient treatment for substance use. And we also do assessments and refer to higher levels of care. So if somebody needs detox or inpatient treatment, we can assess and then make that referral. Be the bridge up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and the step down. Right. You know? So if they've, they've gone somewhere, they can come to us. And that's here in Asheville. There's a little satellite office up in Mars Hill, North Carolina, uh, because we have some assertive community treatment teams, which are, it's a multidisciplinary team which Im includes a um, psychiatrist, licensed therapist, housing specialist, um, nursing, uh, substance use specialist, uh, vocational specialist. That whole team will wrap around an individual that has struggled with chronic mental health um, uh, struggles, typically bipolar, schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, uh, the most acute individuals, and they help stabilize them out in the community so that they're not in and out of hospitals. Mm -hmm. um, so they they work as a as a team to support that individual. So we serve Buncombe, Henderson, Madison, Yancey, and Mitchell counties. So we have a five-county catchment for October. If you're just joining us, Travis Herman is our guest in this segment. He is the National Clinical Liaison, SilverRidgeRecovery.com, under the pyramid umbrella. Tell me about Silver Ridge. So Silver Ridge is unique. So Silver Ridge is a newer program. It's been open for about a year. So we've been doing addiction treatment for 19 years at Pyramid Healthcare, but Silver Ridge we developed specifically for the midlife adult. Now, Neil, how old are you? Midlife. Okay. <laughs> good answer. So, My therapist said, how was your childhood? I said, so far, so good. <laughs> I'll use that one. Yeah. So um, midlife adult is a developmental stage. So we have... Uh, child, adolescent, or infant, adolescent, um, young adult, teenage, young adult, midlife, and then senior. Mm. So what we found in the addiction field is that often programs specialize in age groups. So they do adolescent treatment sure. or they do young adult treatment. Or seniors. Or seniors. Mm -hmm. But the largest substance-using population in our country 
and it's the largest population in right. our country, is the midlife adult. Right, of course. Most programs, if they serve in adults, they just serve 18 and above. There are some organizations that serve seniors, or they'll call them boomer tracks or <laughs> uh, retired tracks. But gentlemen like yourself, yeah, who's yeah. still in the midlife developmental right. stage, you're not seniored, you're not retired, you're still working, you're still right. engaged. You're probably not going to respond well to a treatment program focused for that age group, just like you wouldn't probably respond well or feel comfortable in a young adult program. Hopefully you would never be in a young adult program. Mm -hmm. And if you go to a treatment program that just serves 18 and above, you're going to be with folks that are not in your age range right. or developmental stage. Right. The other situation is you may have um, some period of sobriety and or maybe you've gone to treatment before and maybe that was a positive experience and you had some sobriety and some growth. Uh, but maybe you have experienced a life event and you have returned to use, and you need some support, or you need to go a little bit deeper. Is this, this an inpatient program? This is an inpatient program. So we developed Silver Ridge specifically for that age group. Typically, most folks are between the ages of 35 and 65. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we'll go a little under 35. Sometimes we'll go a little over 65, because, again, you can be over 65 and still be in midlife. Right. You can also be... 32 have been working for 10 or 12 years, have a profession, have children, uh, be married, and you've met some developmental milestones. Mm -hmm. So, um, but if you're 36 and living in mom and dad's basement and you haven't progressed through those, you're probably not the right fit for Silver right, Ridge. Does right. that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So all that to say, Silver Ridge is, uh, only serves 15 people at a time, and it's specifically for midlife adults. Men and women? Men and women, mm -hmm. yeah. And what is the length of stay? So our minimum length of stay is 35 days. Our average length of stay is 45 days. But we have a 90-day lecture series. So if somebody stayed longer, they wouldn't re-experience uh, a lecture. And we don't use like a workbook system. So it's not just a repeat once you hit day 31. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, also, being that small um, allows us to be very individualized in the there's several programs that, that use that term, um, and, and there are some good programs out there that, that do provide some individualized treatment. But um, when you're that small, it really allows you to be flexible. So, you know, you might be an entrepreneur or a business person who's struggling with recovery. Taking 45 days off of work yeah. to go to treatment um, would negatively impact your business, your family, your employees. Your life. Your life. So we actually have a system set up um, where folks can have access to technology during specific times, and it's very um, structured and supported, um, and so folks can continue to do some work requirements while they're with us. Conversely, if it becomes distracting or triggering, we might have a conversation about how maybe doing work right now isn't the best thing. Maybe you need a break. Maybe so everyone is individually treated. Yes, correct. Outstanding. And it's uh, Silver Ridge Recovery, and it, it is in what part of North Carolina? So it's in Mills River, mm -hmm. which is just seven minutes past the Asheville Airport. Oh, okay. So we say Asheville, but it's it's technically Mills River. Right, right. Yeah. What about family? What do you do for the family? So we have a uh, monthly family workshop, and we actually invite the family on site. Some programs have the family separate. We want them engaged in, in the treatment experience so they can see what folks are looking at. Silver Ridge is very nice. Aesthetically, it's very beautiful. We have an executive chef that can meet any of your dietary needs, queen-size beds. So 
aesthetically it's very pleasing. Right. But when families call, when the when people uh, that are being served call home, they're not really talking about um, the nitty gritty therapy stuff they've been working on. They'll say, like, "Oh, I got to go to equine therapy today, and the horses are great, and Chef Nan cooked a, a perfect <laughs> steak." And so the family sometimes interprets that yeah. this is like a spa retreat type silk sheet facility, right? When we invite them in for family therapy or, or the family workshop, they're actually engaging in that process, and then they see the the level of work these individuals are doing. And there's about 40 to 50 hours of clinical work uh, that folks are doing per week, and it's a it's a variety of um, experiential and process group, um, as well as two individual sessions minimum a week, plus a family session. So in addition to the family workshop, there's a, a family session. And um, and then uh, the experiential therapy, so equine therapy, mindfulness and meditation, nice. trauma-sensitive yoga, and horticultural therapy. We try to hit a bunch of different ways of learning. So there's tactile, there's lecture, there's process, there's individual. We try to hit every single one of those. Sounds like an amazing, amazing program. And if you want to find out more about this, again, I encourage you to go to silverridgerecovery.com. It is under the umbrella of Pyramid Health. They've been doing this for 19 years. They know what the hell they're doing. I thank you so very much, Travis, for taking time to give us an update. Can I mention two other things real oh, quick? Oh, sure. I won't, get in, I won't get in detail. We also in Asheville have Real Recovery, which is a young adult male structured sober living program. So oh, that would be wow. after primary okay. treatment. And then we have tapestry eating disorder uh, treatment. So we do Is that new? Tapestry is not new. Um, trying to remember when they started. Uh, I should know this, and, and they've been around for quite some time. Mm. But they just joined our organization a year ago in July. Ah, uh, okay. So and they're new to Pyramid. Yes. Okay. Uh, but they provide adult and adolescent inpatient and outpatient eating disorder treatment. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And that's all going on in Asheville. Yeah. So we had the tapestry has three locations: um, an outpatient in Asheville, mm-hmm. adolescent residential, and outpatient in Fletcher and then their original residential program in Brevard, North Carolina. A lot of good stuff going on down here. A lot of good stuff. Travis Herman is the National Clinical Liaison for Silver Ridge Recovery. Uh, And again, silverridgerecovery.com is the website. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Neil. I'm Neil Scott, the program Recovery Coast to Coast. A short time out. We'll be back with more right after this. Alcohol is running your life. You want help, but can't take time away from work to get it. Where do you turn? Contact Sundown M Ranch. Sundown M Ranch outpatient programs have helped thousands recover from addiction without losing time on the job. Nationally recognized for innovative, effective, and affordable treatment programs, Sundown M Ranch will help you put your life back on track. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. First, your child's heart rate and blood pressure will drop. Your child may experience nausea and want to sleep it off. Hopefully, your child will resist that urge and won't slip into a coma or die from this prescription painkiller overdose. Of course, kids who learn about the dangers of drugs from their parents are 40% less likely to abuse prescription drugs than those who don't. So talk to your child now, and there's a pretty good chance that this will never happen to your child. For more information, visit drugfree.org. A message from Partnership for a Drug-Free Washington in America. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. We are broadcasting from the annual conference of the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina, a great organization. Their website 
website if you want to find out more about them is apnc.org. Uh, we are in Asheville, North Carolina, up in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and Kathy Allen is nice enough to join us for a few minutes. She is a very, very busy woman. She's the conference chair and has coordinated this entire conference. It has been so successful. There's an energy, there's an electricity, there's a buzz with this conference that just sets my soul on fire. And congratulations to you on on bringing all of this together. Tell us a little bit about the conference. I know you do two conferences a year. That's right. We do do two conferences a year. And thank you so much for that kind um, statement. But I'm only one part of a team. We Uh work very hard. And we focus on bringing wonderful topics that are in lots of different venues, different areas. So we have um, some topics for the different types of providers that provide different services. And and that's what's really exciting is that we can bring such a, a vast variety of speakers that um, reaches in and, and talks to the participants in a way that they need to. How many registrants have you had, Kathy, for this conference? This year was 215. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. And 35 vendors, and we had to turn a couple of vendors away and welcome them to the um, fall conference, which will be in Wrightsville Beach. Mm-hmm. We do two annual conferences every year, and we are already started working on our planning for the next conference and getting some wonderful speakers available for that one. Is, is the reason for that being the, the distance and the geography of North Carolina? Yes, we typically, I mean, early on, many, many years ago, we found that the rates in the mountain area are a little bit lower, mm. and the rates in the beach area are, are lower in the fall. So in the spring, we come to the mountains, and in the fall, we go to the beach, <laughs> so we can make it an affordable How conference. long have you been doing this, Kathy? I joined APNC in 2008 mm. and was brought into the board, of, I think, about 2015, mm. uh, became the conference chairwoman last year. So this is my third conference. You got it down. You have got it down. <laughs> what do you do in your day job? I am a a substance abuse treatment provider. I own and operate three agencies in Gaston, Cleveland, and Lincoln County. The organization is called Carolina DWI Services or Carolina Services, and we provide education as well as treatment Mm. and a few other things. Tell me about APNC, uh, the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina. I've been so impressed with, with, with the level of knowledge even more so the level of compassion for the people down here. How many members in your organization? Oh, there's well over 500 members. Mm-hmm. Um, the membership committee was not able to provide a report the other day, but we're constantly growing. We've been growing um, in vast ways. It wasn't but a few years ago we were operating out of a kitchen. <laughs> and huh. Now we have our own offices. We've got an executive director. We've got um, some full-time staff. We, we've got grants coming in to help us uh, mm. provide um, some exceptional trainings throughout the state. We have regional vice presidents that are in, we used to be four regions. We've expanded that into six regions so we can be more successful in the region level, providing some additional training topics throughout the year, uh, more localized into the region. So members who are in a specific region don't have to travel all the way to a conference but can get some additional training. The organization has been around for 
60 years, I understand. That's right. That's amazing. It is. But boy, it's it's skyrocketing now. You've got a new executive director that has just knocked my socks off. So I'm sitting here without any shoes on. Uh, An amazing guy. Tell me about Donald McDonald. Donald McDonald, I've only had a chance to meet him recently. Um, He was one of the many applicants for the position. And he was interviewed and, and selected. And on the couple of occasions that I've had a chance to work mm. with him, he's very high energy. He's highly motivated. And in a short period of time, a little over six months, I think now he's done an exceptional job. We're very pleased with our choice to bring him on staff. Yeah, it's it's amazing the, what uh, the energy that he brings to all of this. The, the, the conference uh, theme uh, this time around is Join the Movement. Tell me about that. Yes, we're, we're trying to help people understand the importance of being part of APNC, Addiction Professionals of North Carolina. So many people practice, um, and they don't come together as part of this professional organization. And we're more than just um, providing services for one agency. We're from prevention. We're providing services for um, the um, outpatient treatments, the IOPs, the um, all of the different types of agencies out there, they have a home here, and, and we're um, inviting them to our tribe, as we mm-hmm, say, you know, to mm-hmm. be a part of all that we've got going on because we've got something for everyone. Why should someone join APNC? Well, APNC is the professional organization for people who are providing addiction services, period, whether it's early intervention or what have you. And, and the money that's invested in becoming a member helps us work on legislative levels yeah. so that we know what's going on with our legislators. You do a lot of good things in Raleigh. We really do. Yeah. We really do. In fact, it wasn't long that, and it's still out there, where they're wanting to do away with our board, the North Carolina Substitute Professional Practice Board. And, and because of our grassroots movements, we were able to get the um, Senate to not do that last year. And uh, it still could come up, and we're going to keep a close eye on that. But we want to keep our board separate from the social workers board. And so that's one of the many things. And, and so when there's funding available, they make us very aware of what's going on. And when there's a potential of certain funding being eliminated, um, we become available and we can um, motivate all of our members to call their senators and, and help you know protect or change whatever they're going to do or, or to support the thing that's important to us. As Advocacy far. is very, very important. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah to advocate. Yeah. Uh, Kathy Allen joining us for a few moments on Recovery Coast to Coast. She is the conference chair, uh, and she is uh, very quick to say that she is just one of a team of volunteers that makes this thing function and function exceptionally well. Uh, from from beginning to end, this conference has been over the top and it's solid. And you're doing some things. Uh, you've got a new track this this time around uh, that that uh, Donald was uh, telling me about in in terms of uh, peer support or recovery. That's right. Um, peer support specialist is a a track, and throughout our state we have peer supports, and those are people who work on the level of peers to really help them navigate recovery mm. on a personal level at I've their met home a number level. Of them here, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for as a per- 
professional um, substance use counselor, it would not be appropriate for me to go to my client's home. But a peer support can meet them at their home and work with them on a professional level to meet their goals of, of getting a job or, you know, learning how to manage their money on a more professional level. And, and so these um, positions have become important to our state, and now we want to make sure that they get the necessary training and the support from this type of organization to support them in the work that they're doing. You have great topics and, and great speakers. You have a conference committee that decides who's going to be in? Um, yes, uh, we have a wonderful staff at APNC now, and they're getting more engaged mm. in these decisions. But we have a meeting. We invite everybody, members, to come to that meeting and, and give ideas. On the exit interviews today, people will make suggestions on what they would like to see or hear from. We keep our thumb on what's going around the state, and that's how I met you. I yes, found you yes, yes, through yes. Texas um, Addiction Professionals over in Texas, and I thought that would be a great way to bring you, and we're so glad to have you. It has been a, a, an honor and a distinct pleasure to be a, a part of this great organization and to meet so many wonderful people and, and the programs. Uh, you guys are just absolutely on fire. You're rocking it, I'm telling you. <laughs> thank you. I congratulate you and I thank you. Thank Kathy you. Allen is the conference chair. She needs to get back to a session. I'm not going to hold her any longer. And just to say thank you very much. Thank you. You're awesome. I, I've seen several people here visiting with you and they've, they've had smiles on their face. So yeah. I thank you. Appreciate what you're doing for our nation. I'm Neil Scott. Program is Recovery Coast to Coast. Short time out. We will be back with more right after this. Need professional-looking documents? Office Depot can help. From small jobs to bound presentations, bring in your document or submit it at officedepot.com. We'll ship virtually anywhere. Plus, our work is backed by the Office Depot Satisfaction Guarantee. Office Depot, taking care of business. Certain restrictions apply. See store for details. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, America's nightly voice for recovery. I'm Neil Scott. Nice to have you with us. We're down here in Asheville, North Carolina at the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina Conference, a great conference that started with a plenary session by Killian No. You probably remember Killian No. She's the founder of the Recovery Cafe, which is the healing community in Seattle for women and men recovering from trauma, homelessness, and alcohol and drug issues. Killian's a wonderful, wonderful person. Her plenary session was called Lifelines That Transform Us and Our Surrounding World. Let's listen to a part of that plenary session from Killian No here at the APNC conference. As we begin to drop our masks and make ourselves vulnerable, allowing ourselves to be deeply known and loved, and as we invite others into our struggles with rigorous honesty, we begin to experience healing from even the most profound traumas. When we are loved by someone who doesn't really know our deepest struggles, it has limited power to heal. But when we are loved by someone who knows and understands our brokenness, our limitations, our inadequacies, our struggles, and yet they love us just as we are, that's transformative. And most of us need that kind of being known and loved for the long haul, not just for the amount of time insurance companies are willing to pay for treatment. It's time we asked our nation and some of our elected officials, not all, 
because we do have some great elected officials, but it's time we asked our nation and some of our elected officials, what do you love more than anything? And if they say, we love our young people more than anything, we must respectfully respond, bull crap. And if they say, we love those suffering from addiction and other mental health challenges more than anything, we must respectfully respond, bull crap. If they say we love partisan power politics more than raising up the most vulnerable among us, then that kind of honesty may lead to the healing of our nation. Another lifeline or commitment which could help pull our nation to more solid ground is a commitment to seeing every single person as a contributor with gifts to offer. Although many first arrive at Recovery Cafe traumatized and simply seeking survival, they quickly realize that this is a community that recognizes the gifts that every single person brings. They quickly realize that every single person is expected to contribute to the running of the cafe as well as to the healing of others. We know there is within every single one of us a place of the divine, our essence, our truest self. Every single one of us needs tools to uncover that essence and to bring our truest self to the larger community. Without the gift each person brings, the larger community is diminished. Every day during our community announcement, Jane raises her hand high and announces, today I have 451 days sober and I've met the love of my life. Now, the, the number of days keeps growing, but the proclamation that she met the love of her life is the same every single day. Of course, the love of her life she has met is herself. Jane has fallen in love for the first time with her true self. She has come to know for the first time that she is precious and valuable and that her very being is a gift to others. Whenever someone relapses or suffers a mental health crisis, our amazing team always invites them to tell us what you experienced so we can learn from your experience. It touches me so deeply to witness even someone suffering being valued as a gift they can contribute. I know you know exactly what I mean. At Recovery Cafe and in your recovery communities, we all contribute the gift of our own suffering but we contribute a lot of other gifts, too. Almost all of our, of our recovery circles are led by members who are trained as recovery coaches, receive weekly support in their leadership roles. We must raise up leaders in this movement from among those who were the most vulnerable among us. That's what the peer support movement is all about. And make no mistake, a movement is what is needed. And a movement is what we are all called 
to nurture. When we put our weight down with one group of people who are vulnerable and excluded, we join our lives with all those throughout the world who are vulnerable and excluded. Likewise, when we put our weight down with a movement of healing and hope, we become connected to a worldwide movement of healing and hope. Some of us have come to view our participation in the Recovery Cafe community as an act of nonviolent resistance to the forces of hatred and exclusion. When Mahatma Gandhi was a young attorney, he practiced law for a few years in South Africa. During that time, there was an, a deadly plague. Those infected were forced to stay on the outskirts of villages so that they would not infect others. Even though those who were dying were from a different religion than Gandhi's and a different race than Gandhi's and a different nationality than Gandhi's, Gandhi insisted on going to the outskirts of the villages to offer care and support. When a nurse saw him approaching the quarantined area, she waved him away and said, go away, they're contagious. To which Gandhi responded, they are my family. On Christmas Eve, I gave a reflection at Recovery Cafe in which I shared that Jesus lived his life with the commitment to those being left out. And that even those of us who feel left out ourselves can always find someone who's even more left out than we are. Immediately following that reflection, one of our beloved members, Joan, performed a Christmas carol on her flute. Due to past trauma, it was a huge step for Joan to play her flute that Christmas Eve. As she began to play, a mentally anguished man stormed into the cafe, creating quite a disturbance. I was worried that this would upset Joan, make it impossible for her to finish her piece, and that it would be a setback in her healing from trauma. Eventually, the anguished man plopped down on the front row a few feet away from Joan. Then I noticed something extraordinary. Joan focused intently on this man as she continued to play. Later, Joan told me, in that moment, he was the person who was even more left out than I. So I focused my attention on him, and I played my flute just for him. I think that is what all of us in this room are called to do, to offer the gifts of our own suffering, time, energy, money, lived experience, and expertise, especially on behalf of those who are left out to play our flutes, so to speak, for those left out of opportunities to heal and live 
fully lives they are excited about living. Which brings me to the third lifeline desperately needed in our nation. And this lifeline is the culmination of the other two I've mentioned. Authentic connection. We live in an age of isolation and loneliness and our attempts to form authentic connection through social media do not feel our deepest longing for connection, for tribe, as Donald said. There is now scientific research pointing to the central role of loneliness in addiction and other mental health challenges and the power of authentic connection to literally change our brain chemistry. Whether we are recovering from addiction to substances or some other mental health challenge like depression, which has stalked me most of my adult life, or whether we are recovering from a need for control, power, security, approval, compulsive working, Compulsive eating, compulsive spending. Authentic connection is the antidote. Authentic connection through being deeply loved and known, through life-giving activities, and through service to others is the antidote. And we need authentic connections that cross racial socioeconomic and religious barriers. Because authentic connections are what change us and ultimately change our world. Which brings me to the fourth lifeline desperately needed in our nation. If we are to compassionately and successfully address the crisis of addiction and other mental health challenges, we must let our hearts break. A U.S. Department of Justice study found that 75% of women and 50% of men in state penitentiaries suffer from addiction or some other mental health challenge. There is a tendency in our nation to stigmatize, marginalize, and criminalize whole segments of our human family. Everyone who overdoses or suffers from a mental health condition is someone's child, brother, sister, father, or mother. The deep truth, and I know you know this deep truth, is that those suffering are our children, brothers, sisters, fathers, and mothers. We deny the oneness of the human family at our own peril. Incarceration 
instead of treatment and longer-term healing communities for nonviolent offenders suffering from addiction and mental illness is not only absurdly costly, it is cruel beyond measure. It is heartbreaking. We must let our hearts break over these and other injustices because transformation of unjust systems begins in our broken hearts. As some of you know, Recovery Cafe in Seattle has helped launch Recovery Cafes in seven other cities. And, and next week, we welcome five new groups to walk with them and help them open Recovery Cafes. And one is, is in Raleigh, and uh, James Jackson is here, and, and we'll be working with those people. We are committed to spreading this model and until a longer-term healing community becomes the norm in how we treat addiction and other mental health challenges in this country. Until it becomes the norm to proclaim to those being left out, your life is precious. We cannot become the community we need to become without you. Which brings me to the final lifeline or commitment I wanted to mention. It's closely related to letting our hearts break. It is the lifeline of inspired, relentless advocacy. One of my dear friends who's who you saw on the screen, uh, even though that was a mistake, for a brief moment she appeared on the screen here like an angel. But one of my dear friends, who is the former uh, board chair of Recovery Cafe and a long-term volunteer at Recovery Cafe, Vicki Allen, did her residency in L.A. in the early 90s when mostly young men were dying from a mysterious brutal disease. It was the beginning of the AIDS epidemic. And she remembers thinking, my life's calling will be to care for those dying in this epidemic. But remember what happened? Vicki remembers. Activists were relentless in pushing medicine, pushing research, pushing government, pushing society, shining the light on homophobia and the stigma. And today, HIV, with good treatment, is now viewed largely as a chronic illness. I know you know that the opioid epidemic has already claimed more lives than at the peak of the AIDS epidemic. So what does that require of us? We must stay connected to that powerful love force within ourselves. 
We must stay open to innovative responses like recovery high schools, recovery college dorms, and the promising new vaccine for opioid addiction. We must stay inspired and inspire each other. We must work together. We must be relentless in demanding that our elected representatives and larger society provide treatment on demand, better medical assisted treatment, longer term recovery communities, radical changes in our criminal justice system, and more research on these deadly diseases of our brains. We must never give up the fight to end the stigmatizing, criminalizing, and marginalizing of those suffering individuals we know as our family. Those suffering individuals we know as ourselves. As Martin Luther King Jr. said, change does not roll in on the wheels of inevitability, but comes through continuous struggle. I know I am preaching to the choir here today, so let me simply close by thanking you all for all the lifelines you are throwing to those coming down the river headed toward deadly falls. I am moved by your profound commitment and your great love. Thank you. You've been listening to Killian No, the founder of the Recovery Cafe in Seattle, Washington, and a plenary session that she presented at the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina Conference. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We hope you've enjoyed it. We certainly have enjoyed being down here. I'm Neil Scott. The program is Recovery Coast to Coast, and we remind you that the bright side of addiction is indeed recovery. Pass it on. You've been listening to Recovery Coast to Coast, a program feature of the Alliance for Recovery. Recovery Coast to Coast is heard nightly from 10 p.m. till midnight Pacific time, Monday through Friday, from Seattle, Washington, carried live on Fox Radio 850 KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and heard nationally in streaming audio. For information about future programs, please visit www.recoverycoasttocoast.org, where you can listen to, download, or podcast our last five shows, as well as find information on upcoming programs. Please join us next time when we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. The bright side of addiction is recovery. Recovery.